Section 32 of Expository Thoughts on the Gospel of St. Luke, Volume 2, by J. C. Ryle. Chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. Parable of the Rich Man and Lazarus. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Luke, Chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died, and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments, and seeing Abraham far off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. The parable we have now read, in one respect, stands alone in the Bible. It is the only passage of Scripture which describes the feelings of the unconverted after death. For this reason, as well as for many others, the parable deserves a special attention. We learn, firstly, from this parable, that a man's worldly condition is no test of his state in the sight of God. The Lord Jesus describes to us two men, of whom one was very rich and the other very poor. The one fared sumptuously every day, the other was a mere beggar, who had nothing that he could call his own, and yet of these two the poor man had grace, and the rich had none. The poor man lived by faith, and walked in the steps of Abraham, the rich man was a thoughtless, selfish worldling, dead in trespasses and sins. Let us never give way to the common idea that men are to be valued according to their income, and that the man who has most money is the one who ought to be the most highly esteemed. There is no authority for this notion in the Bible. The general teaching of Scripture is flatly opposed to it. Not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble are called. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he knoweth and understandeth me. Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 24. Wealth is no mark of God's favor. Poverty is no mark of God's displeasure. Those whom God justifies and glorifies are seldom the rich of this world. If we would measure men as God measures them, we must value them according to their grace. We learn, secondly, from this parable, that death is the common end to which all classes of mankind must come. 
the trials of the beggar and the sumptuous faring of the rich man alike ceased at last there came a time when both of them died all go to one place ecclesiastes chapter three verse twenty death is a great fact that all acknowledge but very few seem to realize most men eat and drink and talk and plan as if they were going to live upon earth for ever the true christian must be on his guard against this spirit he that would live well said a great divine should often think of his last day and make it his company-keeper against murmuring and discontent and envy in the state of poverty against pride and self-sufficiency and arrogance in the possession of wealth there are few better antidotes than the remembrance of death the beggar died and his bodily wants were at an end the rich man died and his feasting was stopped for evermore we learn thirdly from this parable that the souls of believers are specially cared for by god in the hour of death the lord jesus tells us that when the beggar died he was carried by angels to abraham's bosom there is something very comforting in this explanation we know little or nothing of the state and feelings of the dead when our own last hour comes and we lie down to die we shall be like those who journey into an unknown country but it may satisfy us to know that all who fall asleep in jesus are in good keeping they are not houseless homeless wanderers between the hour of death and the day of resurrection they are at rest in the midst of friends with all who have had like faith with abraham they have no lack of anything and best of all st paul tells us they are with christ philippians chapter one verse twenty three we learn fourthly from this parable the reality and eternity of hell the lord jesus tells us plainly that after death the rich man was in hell tormented with flame he gives us a fearful picture of his longing for a drop of water to cool his tongue and of the gulf between him and abraham which could not be passed there are few more awful passages perhaps in the whole bible than this and he from whose lips it came be it remembered was one who delighted in mercy the certainty and endlessness of the future punishment of the wicked are truths which we must hold fast and never let go from the day when satan said to eve you will not surely die there never have been wanting men who have denied them let us not be deceived there is a hell for the impenitent as well as a heaven for believers there is a wrath to come for all who obey not the gospel of christ second thessalonians chapter one verse eight from that wrath let us flee betimes to the great hiding-place jesus christ the lord if men find themselves in torment at last it will not be because there was no way to escape we learn fifthly from this parable that unconverted men find out the value of a soul after death when it is too late we read that the rich man desired lazarus might be sent to his five brethren who were yet alive lest they also should come to the place of torment while he lived he had never done anything for their spiritual good they had probably been his companions in worldliness and like him had neglected their souls entirely when he is dead he finds out too late the folly of which they had all been guilty and desires that if possible they might be called to repentance the change that will come over the minds of unconverted men after death is one of the most fearful points in their future condition they will see and know and understand a hundred things to which they were obstinately blind while they were alive they will discover that like esau they have bartered away eternal happiness for a mere mess of pottage there is no infidelity 
or skepticism or unbelief after death it is a wise saying of an old divine that hell is nothing more than truth known too late we learn lastly from this parable that the greatest miracles would have no effect on men's hearts if they will not believe god's word the rich man thought that if one went to his brethren from the dead they would repent he argued that the sight of one who came from another world must surely make them feel though the old familiar words of moses and the prophets had been heard in vain the reply of abraham is solemn and instructive if they hear not moses and the prophets neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead the principle laid down in these words is of deep importance the scriptures contain all that we need to know in order to be saved and a messenger from the world beyond the grave could add nothing to them it is not more evidence that is wanting in order to make men repent but more heart and will to make use of what they already know the dead could tell us nothing more than the bible contains if they rose from their graves to instruct us after the first novelty of their testimony was worn away we should care no more for their words than the words of any other this wretched waiting for something which we have not and neglect of what we have is the ruin of thousands of souls faith simple faith in the scriptures which we already possess is the first thing needful to salvation the man who has the bible and can read it and yet waits for more evidence before he becomes a decided christian is deceiving himself except he awakens from his delusion he will die in his sins notes luke chapter 16 verses 19 to 31 verse 19 there was a certain rich man the parable of the rich man and lazarus has occasioned some diversity of opinion among commentators and called forth some strange allegorical interpretations from the very earliest days it has been a matter of dispute whether it ought to be regarded as a parable or a real history the truth seems to me to lie between the two extremes i see no reason why it should not be regarded as a real history and yet it may be a history employed to point a lesson after the manner of all our lord's parables the whole subject will be found fully discussed in Susser's thesaurus under the word lazarus i cannot see in it the allegorical meaning which some have discovered i cannot hold with tertullian and schleiermacher that the rich man meant herod antipas and lazarus john the baptist i cannot see with vitringa that the rich man represents the jewish nation lazarus our lord jesus christ and his sores the sins of man which he bore the death of the rich man the downfall of the jewish polity the request for sending lazarus the jews vain desire of a messiah the five brethren the babylonian jews the licking of the dogs the conversion of the gentiles i cannot see with theophylact that the rich man is a type of the proud and self-righteous jewish nation and lazarus a type of the gentile world all such interpretations appear to me unsatisfactory i believe the parable was specially intended by our lord for the benefit of the pharisees to whom he was speaking when he delivered it i believe the connecting link is to be found in the ninth verse where jesus said make to yourself friends of the mammon of unrighteousness and the fourteenth verse where it is said the pharisees who were covetous heard all these things and derided him and i believe that our lord's principal object was to rebuke the selfishness worldliness want of charity and general forgetfulness of their responsibilities of which the pharisees were guilty and to expose the fearful end to which their unbelief and neglect of their own scriptures were rapidly bringing them clothed in purple 
Purple was a peculiarly rich and expensive dye, and clothes dyed with it were worn by none but the rich and noble. Lydia, in the sixteenth chapter of Acts, is mentioned as a seller of purple. Fared sumptuously. The Greek word rendered fared is only translated so in this place in the New Testament. In other places the verb is rendered to be merry, make merry, rejoice, or be glad. Let it be noted that we are not told that the rich man was an open breaker of any one of the Ten Commandments. It is not said that he was an idolater, blasphemer, murderer, adulterer, or thief, but he was one who lived only for himself. This was the ruin of his soul. Verse 20. A certain beggar named Lazarus. The Greek word rendered beggar does not necessarily mean what our English word implies, a mendicant. In thirty-one out of thirty-two other places where it is used in the New Testament, besides this parable, it is translated poor. We know nothing of this Lazarus, excepting that he was not the brother of Martha and Mary. Several of the fathers call attention to the fact that the beggar's name is given, but not the name of the rich man. It is thought to imply that the rich man's name was not in the book of life, while that of Lazarus was. Let us add to this, that to mention the name of the rich man in such a history as that before us would have been most invidious and most offensive to his relatives and friends. Verse 21. Desiring to be fed. This does not imply that he was not fed, though he desired it. It rather signifies, as in the case of the prodigal son with the husks, Luke chapter 15, verse 16, that he was only too glad to have the crumbs. That which fell from the rich man's table, as refuse, was food for Lazarus. The dogs came and licked sores. Some have thought that this is mentioned as an aggravation of Lazarus's misery, and that the dogs added to his sufferings. I cannot see this. To me it seems rather to imply that the dogs cared more for Lazarus than man did. It was an act of kindness. Verse 22. Into Abraham's bosom. This expression is most probably a proverbial one. It signifies the place of rest and safety to which all believing Jews were carried after death. Abraham was the father of the faithful, and the head of the whole Jewish family, and to be with him after death implied happiness. The expression, to sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of God, is somewhat like it. Matthew chapter 8, verse 11. Verse 23. In hell, in torments. In interpreting the expression of this verse, and several of those which follow, we must carefully remember that we are reading a parabolical narrative. Our Lord's language is adapted to our understandings. How a lost soul can be susceptible of bodily suffering before the resurrection of the body, we cannot explain. The whole subject of the sensations of a disembodied spirit is far too deep for us to dogmatize about it. Let it suffice us to believe that lost souls can suffer intensely before the resurrection, and that they are conscious of their own lost condition, and of the happier condition of those who are saved. Verse 24. Father Abraham, have mercy. It is highly probable that this description of the rich man crying to Abraham to help him was intended to rebuke the superstitious reverence of the Jews, and specially of the Pharisees, for Abraham. Think not, says our Lord, in another place, we say, we have Abraham to our father. Matthew chapter 3, verse 9. He would have them learn from this parable that Abraham himself could do nothing for those who died in sin, and that connection with Abraham would save no one from hell. Lazarus, water, cool my tongue. 
the fathers and all commentators have justly dwelt here on the awful contrast between the state of the rich man before death and after death and the complete change between his condition and that of lazarus in another world i am tormented in this flame let that expression be noted few sayings in the bible prove more strongly the reality of future punishment verse twenty five but abraham said son in this and the following verse the dignity and solemnity of abraham's language should specially be noted on the one hand there is nothing about it of severity harshness or unkindness on the other there is nothing of affected pity or compassion remember this word should be noted the recollection of former things will be one of the worst parts of hell thy good things this expression deserves notice it is not merely good things in contradistinction to evil things which lazarus received it is thy good things things which thou didst consider good and care for as thy only good to the utter neglect of thy soul and its everlasting interests thou didst choose thy portion and wast content with a mere earthly possession thou must now reap according as thou hast sown verse twenty six a great gulf fixed etc the language of this verse teaches plainly if words have any meaning that there is no hope of deliverance from hell for those who die in sin once in hell men are in hell for ever the doctrines of purgatory or of a limited duration of punishment are both incapable of reconciliation with this text verse twenty seven send him to my father's house it has been argued by some that the rich man's anxiety about his five brethren was a sign of improvement in him and that his punishment had already purified his heart and made him love his brethren and that the notion of purgatory is consequently not without truth but these ideas appear to me destitute of foundation that the rich man's state was hopeless is clear from the preceding verse that he felt anything like true love or spiritual affection for his five brethren is mere gratuitous assumption it might easily be argued that his desire to have lazarus sent to them arose from a selfish dread of their following him into the place of torment their company would doubtless add greatly to his misery but it must not be forgotten that we are reading a parable and that particular expressions in parables must not be stretched too far verse twenty eight testify the greek word so rendered is a very strong and intensive one it is the same that is used in acts chapter two verse forty chapter eighteen verse five chapter twenty verse twenty one first timothy chapter five verse twenty one verse twenty nine moses and the prophets this expression doubtless means the writings of moses and the prophets and the instruction contained in them it is a strong evidence of the sufficiency of scripture for man's salvation if the old testament alone was better than a dead man's testimony how much better must the whole bible be verse thirty they will repent this is the reasoning of ignorant natural man he knows neither the difficulty of repentance nor the foolishness of expecting results from miraculous visions which have not been produced by the word verse thirty one the one rose from the dead let the striking fact be noted that after this a man named lazarus did rise from the dead yet the jews remained unbelieving above all let it be remembered that christ himself rose from the dead and yet the jewish nation would not believe baxter remarks on this verse god will bless his own means 
affrighting men will not renew their natures and kindle in them a love to god and his holiness how little should we know whether one from the dead was a devil or a credible messenger and whether he said true or false should he dwell with us as long as ministers men would again despise and persecute him should he come but once it would not equal the daily solicitations of god's ministers would not the rich man's guilty brethren accuse him of scandalizing and slandering the soul of their noble deceased brother for telling them he was in hell and persecute them if he was within their power End of section thirty two